You're listening to the Connected Parenting Minute with Will and Carrie Ann Sandfest. This podcast is a conversation about parenting using connection first, trauma informed principles. Because when you lead with connection, everyone feels seen, which is the foundation to a more peaceful home. This podcast reminds you that you don't have to be a perfect parent, but we can all get a little better. One Connected Parenting Minute at a time. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad that you're with us. My name is Will and joining me is my lovely wife, Carrie Ann. And uh, we're glad to have a chance to chat tonight. Absolutely. We wanted to chat about this concept of what to do when your child is pushing your buttons. This was recently a a question that was asked of uh, Will here when he was on the parents panel, dad's panel actually, at the Tapestry Conference last year. And he didn't actually get a chance to really respond because, you know, time restraints and stuff like that. And so we thought we would try to tackle that a little bit and talk about what that actually looks like. And what do we mean when we say a child's pushing your buttons? I mean, I don't have any buttons, but what about you, Will? Of course not. It's probably just me, though. Uh, Hopefully a few of our listeners can relate to me on this one. But uh, yeah, it's it's a common question. I mean, it's and it's a common situation that I believe a lot of parents face is where you feel like your child is doing stuff and it just drives you up the wall. And, you know, the people that know us best know know exactly what drives us up the wall. Whether they do it on purpose or not, I mean, it really can be this thing that, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit more in the podcast here, but, you know, when your buttons are being pushed, you know it. Mm-hmm. So what is an example of what that might look for you sometimes, Will? Well, for me, um, I've kids that get grumpy around food can mm. be an issue. You know, uh, we have a couple of kiddos that struggle to eat what they've begged and begged for or whine about what's being served and five minutes later want a second helping of it. Um, they spit out the food after they take it. They throw away, you know, two servings worth of food and then ask for a snack five minutes later. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite. You know, lying is a big, a big, big button for a lot of people, you mm. know, especially uh, kiddos that are come from trauma or from other hard places. Lying was a survival skill. And so, you know, that's something that some of our kiddos are really good at because they had to be. Well, and that's, that's interesting that you say that because that is a lot. I mean, I'm on a lot of parenting forums, especially for adoption and foster care. And that is definitely one of the overwhelming themes that I hear and I can relate to super well is that piece of lying. Like my kid is lying, my kid is stealing and you just don't know what to do. You're just so completely deflated. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, that comes back to what are your buttons? But I know that like one of mine tends to be like, it's just a stupid little thing, but like, when I'm trying to do something nice for my kid and they like are anticipating that or they guess it ahead of time and don't give me the opportunity to be nice to them without them asking for it. Like mm. it's so dumb, but let me tell you that one really gets to me sometimes. Kind of like you put the effort into being nice to them or trying to surprise them and then they just suck all the joy out of that by like guessing it or something. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a real thing and I've been noticing that a little bit more lately actually about myself. 
So what are some other common buttons that, uh, that parents have or that have experienced? You know, there's food, there's chore, whining about chores is another one that can be big, mm-hmm. you know, getting our kids to clean the kitchen. <laughs> we don't know anything about that. And in case anybody wasn't really like, doesn't know me at all, like I have tons of buttons. So I was really just joking earlier, just to clarify, because, because I've got lots of big big buttons. I think we all do. And that's okay. And I think that's a big part of it too. You know, as we talk about, well, what does that look like when my kid is pushing my buttons? There's inherent in that question is self-reflection. And I think that's a huge part of, of this whole thing of connected parenting is being aware of ourselves, mm-hmm. of what triggers us, of what motivates us, what we're passionate about, all those sorts of things. Like the better you know yourself, I think the better you're able to parent your child. Yeah. So it's like you're kind of saying that like maybe I'm the grown up in this relationship and should probably act like the grown up in this relationship. In the parent child relationship. The responsibility of acting like adult falls squarely on my shoulders, not on my kids. Darn it. That means your shoulders, not mine, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's probably what that means. I think this has to do with I'm like perpetually stuck at the age of 19. I don't know. Something about like just growing up and getting older is, is really weird, but that's a whole nother podcast in itself. Yeah, it is. And which is funny because we have a 19 year old. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how the math works out on that. I don't know either. It's all good. Um, But yeah, so if it's our job to act like an adult, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I think that really means looking at ourselves and like analyzing or like being self-aware enough to realize when our buttons are being pushed. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we react to things and not even really thinking about it. It just comes naturally. But I think over time when we start going, hmm, why did I act that way? Or why did I respond that way? We start to recognize the things that are bothering us and we start to recognize the things that cause like the reaction that it evokes in us, I guess. I think that that, I mean, that's been a stepping stone for me to be able to pause and think in the moment of what, why am I reacting? Why do I feel, why is my heart rate starting to race? Why is my anger starting to rise? Why am I getting ticked off or annoyed or frustrated with the situation? And the longer I practice that self-awareness, the more I'm able to actually start saying, hmm, like finding ways to calm myself down in that. So yeah. it's, I mean, that's a, that's a big piece of this is that, that self-awareness. And for people who are just getting started in this journey in connected parenting, like give yourself grace. Oh, the, yeah. the ability to self-reflect in the midst of getting your buttons pushed, <laughs> that's that's not something you can expect of yourself <laughs> early on. Like no. th- there's a lot of grace here. Um, we, w- But a really good way to do this is to, is to take a minute at the end of the night you know, before you, you know, maybe you're talking to your spouse, maybe you're kind of just on your own, but as you're winding down for the night, Maybe not as you're winding down because it might get you wound up again. But (laughs) if you take a minute to reflect on how the day went, 
then you're able to you're able to get a different perspective on how different situations went. Like if you had a that's something I've done where I'm like, boy, that that whole interaction with my daughter did not go well. And then but being able to sit down and say, I'm the adult. So it's my job to kind of set the precedent of how we change that interaction and sit down outside of that moment and think through how do I want to act the next time this happens? Because nine times out of 10, there is a next time. Mm -hmm. And so taking the time as the adult in the relationship to say, what can I do differently? What can I practice? What can I work on? Who can I reflect with? You know, what can I do to make that situation go differently next time? Or how can I plan out how I want that interaction to go differently next time? No, absolutely. And isn't there a a quote by Dr. Karen Purvis? Yes. Uh, One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Purvis is that you cannot show a child the path to healing if you don't know the path yourself. With us being the theoretical grown-ups, at least like physically, we have a lot more parts of our brain that are actually developed, that prefrontal cortex, which I just love saying because it makes me sound smart. (laughs) But the thinking part of your brain in the front doesn't really fully develop until you're 25. And so if we're over 25 and we have children, you know, more than likely that part of our brain has developed. And I mean, it just keeps, we keep maturing and we keep learning things and, and storing information away and stuff like that. But I think that's important to remember that our kids don't have that, Mm -hmm. you know, developed the way that we do. And so we do have a responsibility to kind of make, make, set the tone. We, we get the privilege of setting the tone actually. Our kids will look for us to how how to kind of like guide the relationship. You know, we we get to lead. We're the we're the parents, and we have the privilege of kind of you know setting the tone for the relationship and how interactions go. And, and our, our kiddos will follow our lead in that, even if they don't want to admit it. You know, we set we we kind of set the temperature of the room. No, absolutely. I mean, the other thing to be aware of is like you know. Again, reflecting and partially though, being aware of our own issues. Like we all have a history. We all have things that we came into that parent-child relationship with. And we have to remember that we pull them into that relationship, regardless if they were positive or negative. You know, sometimes, especially if they're negative, because that has, that has a pretty deep influence on us. So we just got to keep digging in that and figure out kind of the thing behind the thing sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I think understanding what those buttons are and where they come from is huge because I know for me, the whole food thing, a lot of that comes from how I was raised, mm-hmm. you know, with the, how dare you not finish what you, what's on your plate? Your mother worked so hard for that. And, you know, and some of those lines or why didn't you finish clean off your plate? Uh, you know, you're so ungrateful for what we do for you and all that. And so it's easy for things my parents said that had a big impact to come out of my mouth mm-hmm. or or to become a soundtrack, kind of like a repetitive thought in the back of my head that I kind of hear. But the more I hear that in the back of my head, the more something like that comes out of my mouth. Well, I mean, that's so true, because when you step away from it and you actually like reflect on it later, it's like, was it really a big deal that she didn't finish that sandwich? No. Like, do we not have enough food? No. Are we, you know, are we going to not have enough to eat because she doesn't eat that? You know, there, there's so many things that when you look at it from a practical standpoint or like a, knowing that you're already safe, secure, like all these things that it's, it's really not that big of a deal. But in the moment, it's hard. Yeah. 
Well, and, and that's even assessing the size of the problem is something that even our, uh, our daughter's therapist talked about at one point. Mm-hmm. When she was going through therapy, one of the things they discussed is trying to understand the difference between a big problem and a little problem. Mm-hmm. Because that's something my daughter struggled with at the time. You know, everything was just an enormous reaction. And then helping her understand there are big problems that have big reactions and there are little problems that have little reactions was really helpful for her to have that framework. But that applies to us too. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Like you're saying, like, is two pieces of bread and a piece of meat that big of a deal? This is probably a little problem. Like, it's frustrating and we're trying to teach our kids not to waste food. And, there, you know, there are practical reasons behind that. Mm-hmm. But is this actual situation worth going into thermonuclear war? Is it a hill I want to die on? Yeah, I, not over not over two half-eaten pieces of bread and a piece of ham or whatever's on that plate. You know, it's... Right. But it's triggering again, you know, and that's, and like we said, like Dr. Purvis says, you can't lead a kid to the uh, healing if you don't know the path yourself, Mm -hmm. which implies that you're on the path to healing. Right. You know, you're doing the reflection, you know, I I meet with a therapist. So do I. You know, and like you're spending that time understanding your buttons, helping making them, making your buttons smaller where it doesn't trigger you quite as much because you're aware that food can be an issue. And so you're going to choose not to engage in the situation, you know, at the dinner table, for example, in a practical thing. Sometimes when one of our kid is having a food issue at the dinner table and I'm getting a little triggered, sometimes I just need to just close my mouth and let you handle the situation. (laughs) Right. Or vice versa, because that that's something, too. Thankfully, we have the kind of relationship where we kind of paddle back and forth sometimes on that. And it's kind of like, I know I'm having a hard time. And that kind of brings you out and like, all right, I got this and and vice versa. But And that's a beautiful thing that you can do as a parent. So if we, we should, let's hit a couple of practical things that, that parents out there can do when they're feeling triggered by their kiddo. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and that's one of them right there mm-hmm. is, you know, ask for a time out. If you've got a spouse, be like, I need you to take this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need talk, a second. Yeah. And talk about that beforehand, you know, see what, what you guys are willing to work out between the two of you. But you're, remember that you're always on the same page or you always need to, you know, kind of present a united front. You're on the so, same team. Yeah, you're on the same team. Yeah. So, you know, if I, I can't handle something, I pass it off to you. And if you can't handle something, you pass it off to me. And it might just depend on the phase of the moon. It doesn't mean that you're the better parent or I'm the better parent. It just means we're having a moment and we need some help. Yeah. Well, and we've got we've got some good friends who have some code words <laughs> where we'd be like, honey, why don't you run to the store and get me a can of pineapple? <laughs> And they know that that's the code word of, babe, you're, you're getting a little spun up. Can I just ask you to like, I'll take over. You can just step out for a minute and not worry about this. Yeah. Cause I mean, one of the hardest things sometimes is to see your spouse really struggling, but not wanting to call them out or, you know, make the situation worse necessarily, but wanting to help. And so sometimes talking about that beforehand and coming up with some, some keywords or some things that will help you kind of behind the scenes. I think we've always been about that, but never really done it yet. So maybe this will be our reminder. Maybe. And then, you know, and it's, and and if you're going to use it like a key phrase with your spouse, make sure it's something playful because, Uh because if it comes out a little heated, you know, that might not help the situation. (laughs) Like adding gasoline to a fire. Right. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's one of the first ones is, is stepping away. And so for, for people that don't have a spouse, mm-hmm. what are some of the other practical things they can do? They they feel like, oh, I don't have somebody to step in and take over oh, for me. Well, what would you say to them? 
I would definitely encourage them if, if everyone's safe to just take themselves out of the situation, like, Hey, I, I need a, a little break. Mommy's feeling a little anxious right now or upset or is having a hard time handling this. Mommy needs a timeout for a few minutes. And if, if stepping away is not an option, sometimes engaging the, the offending child in a, um, a helpful scenario, like saying, Hey, you know what? Mom's really thirsty. Let's go get a drink of water. And, and you're literally saying this to the child, like yeah, literally, saying, literally like, saying that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed or I'm feeling frustrated or again, I'm feeling thirsty. Right. And, and I will have to say, uh, that's one thing that I've learned along this journey is that so many times a lot of that like frustration or getting heated or whatever, like if I drink water, it actually helps. Like it's so simple and it's so dumb. It sounds really dumb, but honestly, a lot of times our bodies are thirsty. Our bodies are hungry. Sometimes it can be, Hey baby, let's go get a snack. Like just reminding yourself that not saying anything at all in that situation, not engaging any further, you can do that. You can do that as a parent. You can choose to do that. And that's something that we would be happy if our child modeled for us. Right. If we were in the, if we were both getting heated and our child said, mom, I'm really upset. Can I have a drink of water? When I'm in a good place, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Let's both get a drink of water and we'll come back and talk about this and that in five minutes. It's okay. Yeah. The world's not burning down. If it's a safety issue, it's a safety issue and you need to handle that differently. Right. But we're talking, the situations we're talking about where a kid's pushing your buttons, it's not typically a safety thing. No, that's true. It's typically an annoyance. It's typically a littler thing. And saying, you know what, I need to step out and I need to cool down right now because I know that I'm upset is, is a sign of maturity. And it's, a, it's something that we as, as the adults need to model for our kids and take that burden off of them so they don't feel like they have to like tiptoe around us because that's not fair to them. No, that's very true. I think one thing that's also helped me and it's, it's again, it's kind of this little a tricky my brain. I'll just call it that. It's tricky my brain is I'll ask myself, would I talk to a friend like this? Ooh. Would I talk to, would I talk to my child if my friend was in the room? Like there is, there's a very real piece that sometimes we feel so comfortable in our homes with our children present that we are not afraid to kind of just let go, which is not a, which is not a bad thing. We should feel comfortable in our own homes, Yep. but not to the extent that we're just unleashing the angry mom or the angry dad on our kids when they, they don't deserve that. So just to recap, some of the practical things we can do are tagging out with a spouse, having a code word with your spouse to give them a, a kind of like the free pass to step away. You can literally say to your child, can we come back to this because I just need a minute. You can have your child come with you, say, I need a drink of water. Why don't we go get one together? Or can we go for a walk? Uh, and I think one of the pieces too is just being honest with your kid. Like I'm mom's having a hard time right now. Like I'm not, it's not their responsibility, but allowing them to see that you notice that you're frustrated or angry or having a hard time, I think is a good learning tool for them because a lot of times if we don't see our parents vulnerable, we have a tendency to think, well, they're these perfect people, you know, even if they're not, you know, in kid, in kid world, you know, like my parents are the epitome. And then as adults, they kind of go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. My parents really screwed up, but they didn't like call it out and they didn't apologize for it. 
which is a whole other episode of the podcast. We will cover that in an yes, upcoming episode. We absolutely will. Should you apologize to your kids? Ha ha ha. Stay tuned for further episodes. We appreciate you tuning in tonight and spending a few minutes with us discussing this topic. Uh, feel free to reach out if there are topics you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. We, are, we love answering listener questions or discussing topics that um, are on your minds. And so we thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your attention. Remember, you don't have to be a perfect parent. But we can all get a little bit better one connected minute at a time. Thank you so much for listening to my mom and dad's podcast. It means a lot to me. Make sure to like and subscribe on the way out. For more parenting tips or to connect with us, check out the Connected Parenting Minute on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can send us an email using connectedparentingminute at gmail.com.